How's it going, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to episode eight of the Burner Account. We know you missed us. I'm your host, Alex Flock, always beside my co-host, Jack Iciello, on the other end of the phone, but now in the same time zone. Jack, how you doing? Doing great, Alex. Welcome back to the East Coast. Great Thank to- you. Means a lot, to be honest. I uh, I had reservations that I was actually going to be able to make it back here, but here we are. Hey, you're here, you're safe, and uh, apologies for us missing last week. That one was on me. Um, had some Wi-Fi difficulty, but all is settled and we're ready to go. Jack, uh, why did you have Wi-Fi difficulty? Well, let's just say you shouldn't hit the Wi-Fi cord that's buried under your yard with a shovel. That is a bad idea. Why would you hit it with a shovel, Jack? I mean, you got you to gotta dig up that garden, man. And uh, you got to look where you're shoveling first, which is something I do not do. Snakes in the grass keep mowing. That's what I always say. Um, you know, it's it's interesting. I think Chris Farley said it best. Why would you take a shovel to your Wi-Fi extension? That's a mystery. <laughs> I don't think he said that, Alex, but thank you anyway. Oh, he was talking about David Spade masturbating. <laughs> Great, by the way. Yeah, you didn't think I was actually going to say that in the podcast episode, did you? Alex, I, I never put anything past you. That's good. That makes me feel really good. Anyway, we're nevertheless happy to be back after a one-week hiatus. Uh, I'll call it a sabbatical, for lack of a better word. Uh, some interesting news around the NFL. So I think, Jack, you, you and I tend to be big football guys. So as much as I prefer and would love to talk about basketball, I feel like there's just good NFL news right now. So you cool if we just talk about that for today's episode? I'm good. Let's do it. Great, because that's all the notes I have. So we're going to stick with that. Anyway, uh, definitely wanted to talk about the NFL landscape. Again, we were going to talk about this last week, but due to some uh, incident regarding a shovel, we will move and resume now. The NFL draft is complete, Jack. um, But between the two of us experts, uh, analyses never tend to sleep. So Jack, you know, we, we've gone back and forth on, hey, you're the expert. I'm the expert. What are we going to do? Listen, I want to know, I want a hot take right now. Who's going to be your biggest bust from the first round of this year's NFL draft? Well, I had to think about this one a little bit, and I'm opening myself up to a ridiculously embarrassing ice cold take here. But Really quick. Really, really, really quick. Are you yep. trying to throw a shot at me right now? No. No, we all have we all have cold takes. I've brought up a couple of yours, and if I miss on this one, you'll be able to bring up one of mine. But I'm gonna wonderful. Anyway. I'm throwing myself out there, and I'm going with Jerry Judy as my first round bust. Um, look, the Denver Broncos are not a good team, and Drew Locke, in my opinion, is not a good quarterback. Yeah, he was four and one in his last five games in 2019, but he only averaged around 200 yards per game and, and threw seven touchdowns in those five games. <laughs> Um, I think Jerry Judy will probably play out of the slot and he's going to compete for targets with Cortland Sutton, um, you know, second round pick KJ Hamler out of Penn State. There's also Noah Fant in the mix, tight end. Um, you know, I just don't think it's, it's, it's a really promising situation for Jerry Judy. Vic Fangio, Denver's head coach, you know, he's a defensive guy. And I really expect that the Broncos are going to lean on the defense and Melvin Gordon in the run game a lot next year. I don't know. Labeling him a bust might seem a little harsh, 
but I just really think he's going to be outperformed by all of the other wide receivers drafted in the first round. And uh, yeah, I fully expect this to come back and bite me in the ass later this year. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, I, uh, I, I tend to disagree, but I mean, that's, that's fine. Point of that's fine. Yeah, you're, you're inevitably going to disagree with mine. Um, and no, I did not say Jalen Rager. You're welcome. Um, no, I, I think that's a very interesting point about Jerry Judy. I think you actually had brought up the injury concerns, which was another thing that, you know, people are – any injury concern is going to quickly, you know, make people uneasy about a, a candidate, you know, as labeling them a bust potentially in the NFL. But to your point, we haven't seen these guys on the field yet in the, in the NFL, so it's, it's going to be really hard to, hard to say. Um, this one was also difficult for me because, again, nobody wants to be guilty of that cold take, uh, namely me. Um, and I'm going to start by saying the coldest take I've ever had was Odell Beckham Jr. And I've admitted to it. Well, um, hey, correct. hey, maybe this will be my Odell Beckham Jr. moment. You never Fair. know. Awesome. I, I, I will never live that down. Um, <laughs> no, you won't. Needless to say, at least his, uh, his character eccentrics have at least made me seem somewhat rational but nevertheless i think odell beckham jr is a sensational player and he is he proved he proved me wrong um and i'm proud to say that i was dead wrong anyway i'm gonna roll the dice here i'm gonna go on university of florida turned jaguar cornerback cj henderson i'm fully anticipating that because i'm saying this he will now be a perennial pro bowler because of this designation my judgment on cj henderson though jack is less about his skill set, more about Florida's defensive backroom. The last big-time playmaker in the defensive backfield at the University of Florida that they produced was Keanu Neal back in 2016. Unfortunately, Neal's missed nearly two complete seasons with lower body injuries, but we both know he's been exceptional when healthy and active. He was a pro bowler in 2017. Keanu Neal aside, however, Gator DBs don't have the most overwhelming track record of success. Here's some names to jog your memory. Shardy, <coughs> excuse me, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, not too shabby for a fourth-round pick. Uh, Duke Dawson traded. Marcel Harris, I don't know where he is. Marcus May, he's still in the Jets, so fair. Quincy Wilson traded. Tease Tabor cut. Vernon Hargraves cut after a decent rookie season. Jalen Watkins traded. Matt Elam, XFL. Josh Evans, Alliance of American Football, rest in peace. Ahmad Black cut. Joe Hayden, three-time Pro Bowler. Reggie Nelson, two-time Pro Bowler. In short, besides the oft-injured Keanu Neal, you have to go back about 10 years to find a Florida-drafted corner who was a Pro Bowler at some point in their career. C.J. Henderson's an extremely gifted player, no qualms about it. And outside of Jeff Okuda, he was probably the next best-ranked corner in this year's draft class. He's quick, he's got a big frame, everything you'd want in a corner – his big, biggest weaknesses are tackling in the open field and zone coverage against receivers. I personally like corners who get physical and are good tacklers. Nevertheless, I digress. He'll be expected to be the best starting quarter in Jacksonville from day one. Time will tell if he can shake the Florida jitters that those other examples couldn't quite shake. Uh, you know, time will tell if he's going to be a Joe Hayden or if he's going to be a Duke Dawson. Matt Elam type player. So not, not too high on CJ Henderson for myself. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, he was a guy who kind of shot up the draft boards. It seemed like, you know, within the last couple of weeks leading up to the draft. So um, 
you know, the, the Jaguars really needed a cornerback, and I understand why they took one there. We'll just have to see if uh, C.J. Anderson can live up to his draft stock. All right, well, there you have it. Our picks for this year's draft class bust. Uh, flipping it over here, Alex, who do you like to come out on top from this draft class as potentially the best player from this draft class? Now, let me let me just quickly get this. Are we going like offensive rookie of the year and defensive rookie of the year? Like, or, or is that how we're doing this? Um, yeah, that's fine. Let, let's do that. Excellent. So uh, I'll start offensive side of the ball and then I'll get to defense. Um, I think Joe Burrow is the obvious choice here. Um, I haven't quite been this sold on a quarterback in, in some time. Uh, Joe just does things very differently. He's a winner. He's a leader. He has the attitude that you want your quarterback to have. I, I don't really have a lot to say on Joe other than he's good at football. And I believe that in a league that values the quarterback position positions so much more than others, Joe already has a leg up on the competition, uh, even though he doesn't really need one by all accounts. So I'm going to go ahead and lock in Joe Burrow as my pick for offensive rookie of the year out of this draft class. Defensive rookie of the year. I, you know, this one was very tricky you had some really good options here Uh, I thought Chase Young was the obvious choice here just being the first defensive player off the board Jeff Okuda is a really solid number two option I'm gonna go with Derek Brown uh, from the Carolina Panthers for two reasons one the pressure is on in Carolina to compete from the get-go the Saints are a threat the Falcons are getting healthy and the Buccaneers are much improved obviously Tom Brady we can I'm trying to avoid thinking about that the Panthers went defense heavy in the draft to help offset some of those divisional improvements. And number two, Derek Brown is the most talented and versatile defensive tackle in this year's class. Without going too much into his skill set, we did that last uh, or two weeks ago. He'll be a much needed stopgap in Carolina's trenches. K1 Short can still dominate, but like every defender not named Aaron Donald, he needs some help. Uh, K1 Short also was injured last year. and there are rumors that he might not make the team this year uh, being a cap casualty. Nevertheless, if he's on the team, that's only going to help Derek Brown's development. I'd like Derek Brown, not only helping K1 short, but producing as well. Brown could potentially lead all rookie defenders and tackles for loss and quarterback pressures in the trenches. While his sack numbers might not be there as they tend to avoid interior linemen, not named Aaron Donald and Fletcher Cox. Derek Brown will still have his opportunities to get to the quarterback and with capable, <clears throat> excuse me, with capable uh, edge rushers and Brian Burns already in tow and fellow draftee Utor Gross Matos. I really like Brown in Carolina. I think it's a really good fit and I feel confident with him as my pick for defensive rookie of the year this year out of this draft class. Jack, who you got on uh, offensive and defensive rookies of the year? I mean, for offensive, I also went Joe Burrow. And like you said, there's not much I can I can really say about that. I think he's going to ball out, even on a really bad Cincinnati Bengals team. So I like Joe Burrow for offensive rookie of the year. Um, you know, defensive rookie of the year, I, I had to go with Chase Young um, out of Ohio State. He was widely considered the even the best player, even though he didn't go number one. He considered the best player in the draft. And, um, you know, last episode, I gave major credit to the Cowboys for killing the draft. So now I've got to do the same thing for the Redskins. I personally think he's a lock for defensive rookie of the year. And, you know, look out. Don't be shocked if he breaks Javon Curse's record of 14 and a half sacks for a rookie set in 1999. You know, he's got it all. He's got the speed, the size, the athleticism, the track record of production. 
Um, you know, he's going to terrorize left tackles all year. So I'm going Chase Young for Defensive Rookie of the Year. Don't forget, the Redskins do have some good personnel on defense, too. You know, you, True. you, do, have, you do have Jonathan Allen from, uh, from Alabama. You have Ryan Kerrigan still. Yep. You have Landon Collins in the backfield. You know, it's, it's a decent squad, you know, just from a talent standpoint. And Chase Young doesn't really need a whole lot of help to make an impact. Absolutely. Yeah. I, it's going to, it's scary to think about Chase Young going up against the Eagles twice a year, especially with how fragile Carson Wentz is known to be. Um, not super comfortable with that. So, okay. So, uh, before we head into the next topic, as an Eagles fan, Cowboys had a good draft, you know, with CD Lamb ruining that. The Redskins got Chase Young. Any praise for the Giants here? Uh, not really. No, I, I, there's not much I can say about the Giants. They have Saquon Barkley. That's a, that's something I can say. But other than that, not really. Fair enough. Well, the Eagles have Carson Wentz, Doug Peterson, and the most recent NFC East Super Bowl championship to go along with it. So enjoy that. Anyway, moving into our next topic, Jack, we're going to start analyzing individual NFL divisions. And personally, this is going to be one of my favorite topics, uh, determining the placement of each team in the division. Uh, where they stand after the draft, how they're going to shape up for the season. This week, we're going to talk about the NFC North. The four characterizations that we're going to have for each team are, one, that's your division winner. Two, that's your team that's going to hit the wild card. Three, that's going to be your first one out. That's going to be the team that's possibly going to hit a wild card, but probably one of the first teams out of contention, uh, as in they're not going to make the playoffs. And four is your seller dweller without saying too much, that's your team finishing in last place in the division. Ultimately, we're going to just discuss which teams garnered that characterization. So, Jack, I want to know who your division winner is. Why don't you just go through your entire list uh, of division winner, wild card, first one out in cellar dweller, and then I'll follow suit. So I'm curious as to who you had with regard to that NFC North. I actually thought this was one of the more difficult divisions to do. Um, it, it doesn't really seem like there's a clear-cut team that's just head and shoulders above the rest of the pack. But um, for my division winner, I went with the Minnesota Vikings. Just looking at their roster, I think they're the most complete team heading into this year. Yeah, I know they lost to Fon Diggs, but I really liked them adding Justin Jefferson in the first round of the draft. Uh, they're very good defensively, and I'm really interested to see what Gary Kubiak can do as offensive coordinator. Um, you know, we know that's Kevin Stefanski. He took the head coaching position with the Browns. Uh, Gary Kubiak served as an advisor last year for the team. So I don't really expect any major hiccups um, like you would see if, you know, you were completely overhauling an offense with a new offensive coordinator. Um, you know, in my opinion, Kirk Cousins is a very underrated quarterback and I like them to win the division. So I took them as my division winner. My wild card, this one was tough. I ended up going with the Chicago Bears. Um, I think Nick Foles is going to win the starting job, and I think Nick Foles can still ball. You can't look at what he did with Jacksonville and think that's an accurate representation of, of what Nick Foles has left. Um, they've got a very underrated receiving tandem in Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller, and I like Matt Nagy. I know a lot of Bears fans are going to roast me for that, and they're, they were frustrated with him last year, but um, I think they'll improve once they move on from Trubisky, um, who just simply cannot execute the offense. And one of their bigger problems last year was they had a really bad offensive line and they went out and hired Juan Castillo, um, who I'm familiar with. He spent time as a coach for the Eagles. He coached their offensive line for a while and then he was a defensive coordinator for a year. He's a very good offensive line coach. And um, I think he'll help uh, improve some of the problems they had there. 
they still have that very good defense, and it's going to get better now that they signed Robert Quinn, who had 11 and a half sacks last season. So I like the Chicago Bears as a wild card team. My first one out is the Green Bay Packers. You know, this one was this one was difficult because obviously they had a great season last year, but you know I think the writing is on the wall in Green Bay. They took Jordan Love in the first round, and you don't do that unless you're preparing for a future without Aaron Rodgers. And I just really don't think a team can function if your if your head coach and your quarterback aren't on the same page. It just seems like the relationship between Matt Lafleur and Aaron Rodgers isn't getting any better. They didn't fix any of their immediate needs in the draft. I, I really think this is Aaron Rodgers' last season in Green Bay, and, and I predict that they're going to struggle this year. And then my cellar dweller, the Detroit Lions. Uh, listen, if Matthew Stafford can stay healthy, you know maybe the Lions have a shot. Um, you know I know they went out and acquired the entire New England Patriots defense, but I, I don't think that the the Detroit Patriots give them exactly give them credit where it put some respect on their name. I mean. Jack. It's just the entire defense is, is New England Patriots now, but that's not going to help them if Stafford misses significant time again. They don't have anybody behind him. And, um, you know, despite me liking what they did in the draft with Jeff Okuda and DeAndre Swift, I just think the NFC North is too tough, and I think the Lions are going to bring up the rear again. Well, I, I love those points. Um, and without sounding like too much of a broken record, uh, I had two of those the same, and two were flip-flopped. Um, I'm guessing you could predict which ones those were um nevertheless i'll i'll kind of piggyback where you you uh, or where you uh hopped off sure Uh, yeah division winner the minnesota vikings i I think kirk cousins and the vikings have a lot to prove this year um i loved what you said about kirk cousins being underrated i think kirk cousins last year and particularly or in particular showed a lot of his winning mentality that we just hadn't seen in the past. His, his first year in Minnesota was in many ways, a little bit of a struggle, but I thought, especially after the fallout with Adam Thielen, like get me the ball. Um, he's been on since then. Um, I think maybe he just needed that kick in the ass to just be like, I need to start balling and earning my money. And I mean, went to the Superdome, knocked off the saints in the playoffs. That was huge. Had some, beautiful throws that you couldn't you could count on your fingers you know how many quarterbacks could really make those throws in those moments um adam thielen healthy that's huge i loved your point on justin jefferson replacing stefan diggs Uh, another point um remember xavier rhodes how he was one of the most elite corners you know in the game well do yeah yeah uh well that's not the case anymore and now he's unemployed uh by the vikings um I love the addition of getting Jeff Gladney at the back end of the first round, mm. cornerback at a TCU, to fill that void. He'll be expected to be a big part of their secondary from the get-go, but I love where Minnesota sits right now. Uh, wild card, this is where I flip-flopped. And I loved your point about the Bears, and I'll, I'll get to that in a second. But I, I went with the Green Bay Packers, and truth be told, I, I did this only because Aaron Rodgers is still on the roster. Um, if they would have drafted a receiver in the first round, the Packers probably would have just been my division winner but they didn't and I'm, I'm gonna give them crap for that uh you know I love Green Bay's defense last year Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith made up one of the most impressive pass rushing duos uh in the league last year add in the impact of Kenny Clark and a surprise in safety Darnell Savage Packers had a lot to be excited about on that side of the ball their biggest piece though was linebacker Blake Martinez he led the team in tackles in 2017 18 and 19 
But now Blake Martinez plays for the New York Giants after signing a three-year, $30 million contract this offseason. So Green Bay is going to be very pressured to fill that void. Offensively, they didn't improve, like you said. You, you know, you and I both love Aaron Jones. We're both homers there. We both think Jamal Williams is serviceable. By the same token, we both like A.J. Dillon. And the pick just makes zero sense. It, it, it makes no sense whatsoever. They lost longtime tackle Brian Balaga to the Chargers. They'll have to replace him, too. They'll also have to furnish that familiarity with the quarterback. And again, like you said, the Jordan Love selection. Many speculate that Rodgers' days in Green Bay are numbered beyond this year. For now, they'll stay my wild card team. But if Rodgers has moved or moved, or you know, if something happens that worsens team chemistry, this this could change very fast for Green Bay and spiral out of control. Uh, my first one out is the Chicago Bears, and like you said, if, if Nick Foles wins the quarterback competition and plays up to Nick Foles' standards. The, the Bears will certainly be uh, a playoff contender next year. Uh, will they be a Super Bowl contender? I'm not quite sure, but they'll at least be in the running for a spot in the playoffs. Like I said, if, if Nick Foles can play like Eagles Nick Foles, the Bears are a big-time threat. But if he plays like St. Louis Rams or Kansas City Chiefs Nick Foles, that'll be a problem, and Ryan Pace will likely be out of a job. Uh, conversely, if Mitch Trubisky wins the job and he plays like he did as – 2018 Pro Bowler Mitch Trubisky, the Bears will also have a big time threat. If he plays like his rookie season and his third year, that'll be a problem too. And Ryan Pace will also be out of a job. So Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy have two options to make this work. You know, the offseason, as long as we get some football, is going to provide some clarity on that. If neither pan out, Pace will be gone 100%. Nagy will be on the hot seat to right the ship. Uh, all you need is for one of them to be right, whether it's Nick Foles or Mr. Trubisky. It doesn't matter which one, but you need to win football games. Uh, but until, in my mind, I have tangible proof that there is no quarterback issue in Chicago, I think they'll be watching the playoffs from home again. And then agreeing with you, Jack, the Detroit Lions in my cellar, I love Jeff Okuda, I love DeAndre Swift, but they can't solve the Detroit Lions issues. And that's, I love Matt Patricia, but he's, He's not a good head coach. Um, last year, the Lions started off 2-1-1 and last year, tied the Cardinals, defeated the Chargers and the Eagles before losing a heartbreaker to the eventual, eventual Super Bowl champion Chiefs. That's a pretty good start, all things considered. Then a tough beat to the Packers and a loss to the Vikings. Then they beat Daniel Jones and the Giants, and you're thinking, okay, well, this team is at a turning point. Then they lost nine straight games to finish the season 3-12-1, which sucks. Matt Stafford, one of the league's more underappreciated quarterbacks, got hurt last season. The Lions were relegated to David Blau. Certainly not my favorite backup quarterback in the league for obvious reasons. Uh, and, and truth be told, that's not going to be the recipe for success either. But mm-hmm. the, the, line, the Lions have managed to siphon off, like you said, a significant portion of the Patriots roster since Patricia took over a few years back. And they really had nothing to show for it. I don't expect that to change this year. And I anticipate another long season for Lions fans. And unfortunately, I think Bob Quinn's going to be looking for new head coaches next year. I, I, I love Matt Patricia. I loved him in New England. But I just he's a defensive guy, and I don't think he, he knows what he's doing in Detroit. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, I mean, the Detroit Lions, are just, they're just a difficult team to, to nail down because a lot of it will depend on what Matthew Stafford can do and whether he can stay healthy. He, he cannot miss a game next year. It, it's so important for the Detroit Lions that he stays um, available. 
So there, oh, absolutely. You know, I, as I said, you know, I'm I'm really high on Kenny Galladay, for example. You know, and Kenny Galladay has proven that Matt Stafford's on the field, production follows. You know, Matt Stafford has long been one of the more underappreciated quarterbacks in the NFL, and I think when he's off the field, you really see that in Detroit, how much they struggle. So if he's on the field, you know, maybe that'll be a saving grace for, for the Lions. But I, I, I really don't know. They're a really tough team to nail down as, as, you know, potentially having some success. Yeah, agreed. And so it seems like we, we agree on the, the seller dweller and the division winner, but maybe disagree on those two and three teams. Um it- yeah, but but I loved your point on Nick Foles. Like, if if the quarterback battle is easily won and they they see immediate success there, then I, I think that they could easily take that number two spot in my NFC North rankings. Um, I think the Bears have a lot more to gain. The Packers have a lot more to lose. Um, I just think at this point, with Aaron Rodgers still under center and healthy i just i can't count them out i've done that before and it hasn't worked so no, totally, totally fair yeah no, I, I, it's difficult to to bet against aaron Rodgers. i'll give you that but um there is our nfc north uh we'll we'll continue this next week with another division let's get I into- like that I, that was a lot of fun yeah no that's a good one um let's get into the hot co- corner topic alex what do you say I love the hot corner, and I think you do, too. I do. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And this week, we're talking about five NFL head coaches that we think are on the hot seat heading into the 2020 NFL season. Alex, we'll start with you, and we'll kind of go back and forth and see where we might uh, line up. Uh, Who do you have? Great. So uh, I'll actually start with a guy that I talked about 30 seconds ago, and that'll be Matt Patricia, the Detroit Lions, uh, for reasons said 30 seconds earlier. Uh, Matt Patricia is one of my hot seat coaches heading into this year. A defensive savant is Matt Patricia since his days at Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute, where he majored in aerospace dynamics, I believe. Love that. We, we all love that. So does NASA, not the Detroit Lions, though. <laughs> um, look, it, Patricia's defenses in Detroit have ranked toward the bottom in most value categories around the league since he took over. Um, in leaving New England. The offense hasn't been considerably better, and despite those moments of promise where Matt Stafford has played really well, Patricia hasn't put up a winning record in any season leading the Lions. The NFC North isn't getting worse. Detroit seems to be falling more and more every year. It just seems like they reach a new low beyond our expectations. I liked what they did in the draft, like we both mentioned earlier, DeAndre Swift, Jeff Okuda, but in all likelihood, the Lions will need a playoff berth for Matt Patricia to warrant keeping his job. Otherwise, he'll likely be a defensive coordinator candidate next year for any vacancies. So, it, I don't see the Lions uh, making the playoffs, and I expect Matt Patricia to be let go by the end of the season. Jack, who you got? I totally agree with you. I also had Matt Patricia as one of my guys. Um, you know, earlier in the offseason when, when Darius Slay was traded to the Eagles, he very publicly tore into Matt Patricia and his coaching style. So, you know, you never like to see that. It seems like there might be some rumblings of mutiny coming from within Detroit's locker room. And I know I keep beating a dead horse here, but if I were Matt Patricia, I would be massaging every single ligament in Matt Stafford's body to make (laughs) him healthy because he cannot miss any time. That is so critical. Um, And if Matt Stafford goes down, forget it. Patricia's gone. Um, So I also had Matt Patricia. I'll go ahead and name a a different guy here. Um, Adam Gase with the New York Jets. 
This guy just flat out sucks. I, I just don't like him as a person. <laughs> I, I don't like him as a football coach. He's just an ass. And uh, what I do like is that they went out and got Joe Douglas, took him from the Eagles. I think he will turn the Jets around, but the first step is going to be getting rid of Adam Gase. You know, he's alienated uh, leaders on the team like Jamal will, or Jamal Adams, excuse me. And um, I think they'll need to go a different direction to get the most out of Sam Darnold. So Adam Gase is going to need a really good season this year uh, in order to to keep his head coaching position, I, at least I think. Alex, you go ahead. Yeah, I, I said Adam Gase too, but in lieu of going back and forth repeating the same thing, I'll, I'll just throw out another coach and, and touch back on Adam Gase later. Um I have a lot to say on him, and you you took the words right out of my mouth, which I I respect immensely. Um, <laughs> Thank you. He's an ass. You, you put it correct. He's an ass. Yeah. Um, but I'll I'll get to that probably in my my last spot. So uh, for all intents and purposes, I'll go with uh, Dan Quinn of the Atlanta Falcons here. Uh, I I almost hate putting Dan Quinn here because I'm actually really high on him as a head coach. He's had the bad luck of countless injuries to high performing players: Keanu Neal, Deion Jones, Highland highlighting the Falcons all injury roster. Julio Jones has missed a couple of games here and there. Devontae Freeman just completely fell off. Nevertheless, uh, the Falcons have done practically nothing since losing Super Bowl 51 to the Patriots. Uh, let me let me backtrack. The Falcons have done nothing since blowing a 28 to 3 lead with 9 minutes to go in the third quarter of Super Bowl 51 against the Patriots. They've done nothing since then. And you know I had that at that in there. Like I I know you did. Yeah. It seems like the Falcons have the yips. Uh, they've had the yips since then, and I, I hate to admit that. They just can't quite get it done like they used to. I love the addition of Todd Gurley replacing Devontae Freeman. I think as long as Todd can stay healthy, he can still be one of the more dominant running backs in the game. I think Julio Jones and Cal- Calvin Ridley are a very formidable duo. Losing Austin Hooper hurts a bit, but they added Hayden Hurst, and I really like Hayden Hurst particularly in Madden. So if those skills can transfer well, I like that addition. Matt Ryan can still get it done, too. Put together some really nice games last year. The Falcons have the pieces to get over the hump this year, but the NFC South, as you know, and like we talked about earlier, is very, very tough. But they're going to have their work cut out for them. And more specifically, I think Dan Quinn will have his work cut out for him, specifically to keep leading this team beyond this season. So I love Dan Quinn as a head coach. I just feel like since Super Bowl 51, they've just – overwhelmingly underachieved and he could be the the casualty of that um you know what screw it i'm I'm just gonna say adam gase for the for the next one just because i i can't wait to rail into him go for it the the quarterback guru like the quarterback whisperer he's done nothing with anybody like you said it best the jets saving grace right now is that they signed joe douglas and by all accounts including our own he had a really really nice draft he did yeah is Adam Gase the right guy to run the show? Hell no, right? Yeah, no, Adam Gase sucks. I hate him. Yeah, I, I don't have a lot to say about him beyond what you said. He had a solid rookie coaching season with Miami in 16. He went 10-6, and six, and they won a wild card berth. Despite the loss to the Steelers, it's hard to ask for a better rookie coaching campaign going 10-6 and six and getting a wild card. But in 2017, the Finns went 7-9, and nine, in 2018, the Finns went 6-10 and 10 before they let Gase go. In both years, Miami missed the playoffs. His first season with the Jets in 19, they went 7-9. and nine. Despite finishing the season stronger than they started, it's easy to not be convinced by Adam Gase's coaching regimen. The guy known as, like I said earlier, the quarterback whisperer, had the luxury of coaching Peyton Manning 
in Denver before being tasked to bring out the potential in Vanderbilt star Jay Cutler. He massively failed there. He was then tasked by solving the Ryan Tannehill dilemma in Miami. And it turns out all Ryan Tannehill needed was a change of scenery to get away from Adam Gase because since then, he's gotten a $100 million contract extension with the Tennessee Titans. His first year with Sam Darnold in the Meadowlands wasn't exactly the marriage you'd hope for between a young quarterback and a quote-unquote quarterback whisperer. There's still time to make the marriage work, as we've said, but I don't understand what the infatuation with Adam Gase is or ever has been. He's alienated, like you said, Jamal Adams. He's alienated Le'Veon Bell. Uh, If I'm Joe Douglas, I give Gase this year to write the ship and clinch a playoff berth for the Jets, and if that doesn't happen, I'm sending him walking and never looking back because I cannot stand Adam Gase. Personally, as a Patriots fan, I love watching the Jets fall flat on their face every year, and Adam Gase is the perfect guy to lead that charge. But if I'm the Jets and if I'm Joe Douglas, I'm saying you have one year to get this right or you're done. Yeah, it's Adam Gase is awful. I'm trying to remember that story I read. It was probably about a year ago, but it was such a great window into Adam Gase's character. It was when he was serving as, I think, offensive coordinator for Peyton Manning, and they had some bet going where they would never miss a film session. And Adam Gase's wife was literally in labor, and he left her at the hospital to go sit with Peyton Manning at a film session. I don't know if you read that story, Alex, but when I read that, I was just like, this guy sucks. He's awful. And it would please me to see him out of the NFL because I, I don't even I, – I don't care about the Jets, but I don't, I don't want, him, want him there. <laughs> Just look at his. Just look at the look he has on the sidelines. Like I, I'm fully aware, I'm not a ten by any stretch of the imagination. His big bug eyes. They never. And I, I'm. I mean, no disrespect by his look, but he just looks like an asshole. Like, like, dude, you're the head coach of a football team. Get hyped about it. Get your guys excited to be on the field. Come on. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't just look like an asshole. He is an asshole. So we'll uh, sure. we'll move on from Adam Gase here. Um, take, Jack, take me home with your last two, and then I'll uh, I'll follow up. Yeah, I, I had um I had Dan Quinn as well. I won't belabor that point. I think, you know, it's playoffs or bust for Dan Quinn in Atlanta. Um I'll I'll name one more here. Um Mike McCarthy. You know, this mm. a lot of people might be thinking, how could he possibly be on the hot seat before he's even coached a single game for the Dallas? Well, welcome to Jerry's world. Welcome to Jerry's world. Only two playoff wins in ten years under Jason Garrett. Cowboys fans are hungry, and so is Jerry Jones. You know, McCarthy always felt like a little bit of a weird hire to me. You know, he he wore out his welcome in Green Bay. And much like coaching the New York Yankees, the Dallas Cowboys aren't for everyone. They're a historic franchise. It's a big market. Expectations are high. Um, They're loaded, especially offensively. And if Mike McCarthy belly flops in his debut season, I would not be shocked if Jerry Jones can him. Despite the fact that, that Jerry is patient to a fault when it comes to head coaches, I think the the situation in Dallas is that urgent that they need they need playoff wins now, and you know if Dallas comes out and goes seven and nine or eight and eight, I think he's gone. I really respect that point. That that takes some guts to put a guy on the hot seat in his first year with a new team. Um, but to your point, Jerry's world. I mean, those fans are hungry, and if we know anything about the NFL, Jerry's appetite for success uh, is second to none. So time will tell. Uh, obviously they got to get the contract done with Dak Prescott if they really believe in him as the long-term play, but they also did sign Andy Dalton in case there's any fallout from that. I'm not saying that that's a good alternative by any stretch of the imagination, but it could do worse. It is an alternative. Right. 
So, and, and that's fair. Anyway, I'm glad we did differ on one coach and uh, my guy is going to be Anthony Lynn of the LA chargers. And I'm going to preface this by saying exactly what I did about Dan Quinn. It's that I like Anthony Lynn. Uh, and I actually don't think that Anthony Lynn will be on the hot seat by the end of the season, but I think he's on the hot seat now. Um, so anyway, one of the more player liked coaches in the league, Lynn and the chargers have had some notable struggles the, you know, as of late, an ailing Keenan Allen and an injured Derwin James in recent years did not help things. Getting them both back at 100% will be a massive improvement from last season. I love what the Chargers did in the draft this year as well. I'm confident that if Justin Herbert isn't ready for the regular season, that Tyrod Taylor will be able to excel under Lynn's coaching. Austin Eckler showed a lot of improvement last year as well and should translate very well into that lead back role with Melvin Gordon now in Denver. Plus, the Melvin Gordon, Gordon drama being gone from the team should help things as well. Um, Anthony Lynn is on the hot seat because the Chargers haven't gotten farther than the wild cards since he's been in L.A. Uh, but with all the tools in place to make moves in the AFC, particularly where it's pretty wide open against all other teams other than the Chiefs and perhaps the Ravens, I expect the Chargers to produce and Anthony Lynn to remain the head coach in the future. But for now, you know, if something happens, chemistry falls loose, some more injuries, and the Chargers have another subpar year, Anthony Lynn could be a very unfortunate casualty because I do think he is a good head coach. I agree. He, he was actually a guy I almost put on my list. I, I could totally see if, if things do go south and, and with the Chargers this year that he, uh, he ends up leaving. Well, I'm glad you uh, went with McCarthy and I went with Lynn because that at least gave us one different set of five. A little, little variety. Yeah, a little variety never hurt anybody, right? That's right. Anyway, thank you guys for tuning in with us this week. Sorry for missing last week, but for all nine of our listeners, we appreciate you and support your support of us. Thank you uh, so excuse much. Excuse me. Excuse me. I think we're up to 10 now. I, I got my brother to listen to one. So just. Whoa. Uh, wah, 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 wah. Yeah, up to 10. Double digits. Double digits. We're coming for the sponsorship money now. Moving into next week, we're going to have a new hot corner topic, talk about a new division in the NFL, see how they stack up, going on some additional news around the world of sports. Jack, before we leave, you know I got to ask you this question. Mm-hmm. Did, you ca- did you catch the last dance? Dude, I'm, I'm on like episode three. I, I'm not even you, where everybody is. I am so irate by that answer right now. I, if I could not break my phone by throwing it across the room, I would. Well, the, the Last Kingdom came out on Netflix season four, so I've been binging that, and I just didn't quite have time to catch The Last Dance, but I, I will catch up. Screw the kingdom. It's all about the dance, and The Last Dance, might I add. Well, I'll, I'll catch up. Don't worry about it. Sounds good. Well, thank you guys very much for joining us. Once again, I'm your host, Alex Flock, alongside my co-host, Jack Icielo. You've been listening to The Burner Account. Thank you very much for joining us, and we'll catch you guys next week. Jack? Catch you next time. Hopefully we'll be doing next week's episode live and in person. Sounds good. Catch you later. Thanks, everybody.